Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, and welcome once again to History Dweebs. I am Tim, and welcome to our podcast. Today's topic is celebrity stalkers, and we're going to talk some of the more infamous stalkers in history. Uh, but before we get into that, let me introduce our panel. Joining me, as always, is a very lovely and talented uh, Brandy. How's it going, Brandy? It's going good, Tim. How are you? I am doing well, and we're joined, as always, uh, by the very distinguished and honorable uh, and the man who's held in really high regard by no one by no one is the very the the, the most dangerous man in podcasting, <laughs> Colonel Charles Beauregard Hawkwaters the third affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. How are you today, Colonel? Well, tell me, how many people we see in the room? Uh, three, counting you. Yeah. What don't we see in the room? I don't know. My personal assistant. Colonel, we're not going over this again. You're not getting a personal assistant. Why can't the devil be my personal assistant? Well, if you can talk Brandy into being your personal assistant. The devil will not be your personal assistant. I have a personal assistant. Why does the devil have minions, but I have nothing? She has no minions. I'm fighting the good fight on my own here. I, you know, Colonel, we'll, I tell you what. If, if, if we uh, get a sponsor that will pay us actual money, then at some point we're making enough money, we'll get you a, a special assistant. But you know what I do have today, Jimmy? What do you have? A sandwich. Because I didn't let my lunch depend on you. Now, no, it depended on where me, did, didn't it? Where did your sandwich come from yesterday, Colonel? You did give me a sandwich six days too late, but yes, thank you, Timmy. Okay. I was like one of the... Sally Struthers was out making commercials for the colonel. I had flies on me. I was sitting in my office. Oh, man, that's so bad. Maybe Sally Struthers ate your sandwich. (laughs) She ate my sandwich, yeah. I I believe that those kids would have more food if they would not let Sally Struthers into the Twix boss. She's got a gland problem. Hey, colonel. (laughs) She does a gland problem. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, yeah, her butt gland too big. Colonel, give us, uh, who are we going to shout out? Who are our shout outs today? Well, we give our shout outs to uh, the, the usual suspects. All right, well, name uh, on me. My personal favorite, uh, Storm. Storm, yeah. Storm. Um, just last week, there was a, uh, and I did not notice, they, they got bears in Norway. Yeah, why would you not know that? And a bear happened across Knut's property, and Storm took him down. Really? Mm-hmm. Is is Storm okay? Storm's fine. Okay. The bear ain't doing so good. 
Canute got him a big rug now. Laid him across <laughs> his fireplace. Yeah. And uh, so Storm, props Storm to you, is brother. Badass dog of the week. He is badass dog of the week. Yes, he is. And uh, well, Canute, uh, we just want to say hi and uh, hope you're still listening. Who else are we going to give a shout out to, Colonel? Uh, well, we're going to give one to Miss Celine. Um, because she lives in Michigan, and I told her that, you know, I said, I go up there all the time, every summer. It's my favorite place. Mm-hmm. And then Miss Celine said, well, you know what, Colonel? Bring the family up. You can stay at our house. Really? Well, no, she didn't say that, but I'm hoping <laughs> she says that. She should not. <laughs> I was just saying, my God, this is a timely topic, if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whatever happened to, what was it, uh, What what's up with Bob, the... Uh, you know, Bill Murray movie where he was stalking. What about Bob? What about Bob? Bob? Yeah. yeah. They went to Michigan, didn't they? It was up like on a yeah. park or something. And, yeah. uh, and of course, um, we got good news because Lady Beverly, um, she she I told you she was a little under the weather. She actually went into the hospital to have a, have her uh, uh, some kind of... Well, let's, wait, wait a minute. Let's now. don't let's don't share. Well, she put it on Facebook, so she, Her, it's, you know, it's, it's okay. HIPAA. There's HIPAA laws. No, when you put it out there in the public, she put it on Facebook okay. to let everybody but know she, she was doing okay. But it's some kind of internal gizzard stuff, and uh, internal gizzards. And well, Beverly, she, uh, we're glad you're doing better. She she's she's on the mend, and uh, we're waiting for her to completely heal up, and we're going to do Jack the Ripper with her. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk. Her about husband it. is going to finish figure out the technology as to how we can do this. Skype. He's going to figure out Skype. Well, possibly Skype. Yeah. Um, I don't think Lady Beverly's all that technologically savvy. Oh, I bet she is. She's 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 uh, she has. She seems very savvy to me. Well, um, we got a new sponsor today, and 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 this is a timely thing because it's fall, and a lot of people in the, in the country are hunting now. It's deer season. And, uh, you know, you, you get the deer, you shoot the deer, mm-hmm. um, which the colonel happens to think is a cowardly act. When the colonel go deer hunting, I you wrestle do it by them hand. down. I, do, I chase them, and I strangle them myself. You wrestle them down. Wrestle them down. Yeah. Um, Until they I, tap out. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so anyway, but, but then, you know, you, now you got a dead deer. Yeah. What the hell are you going to do with it? Well, I don't know. There's not a whole lot you can do with the dead deer unless well, you're going to eat use it. The, the colonel don't just kill to kill. Sometimes he does. But uh, you got a big pelt. Mm-hmm. You got to skin the thing. You got to get all the meat off the thing. Yeah. And uh, I found a company that wants to sponsor us. Um, they're in Roanoke, Illinois. And it's Johnson's Bonus. <laughs> and what they nice. will do... Is you take them a deer, they mm-hmm. will take all the bones out the deer for you, give you the meat, give you the pelt, give so you whatever. So that's Johnson's boners. Johnson's boners. It's a big Johnson boner. Well, there's Big Johnson. That's the daddy. He he yeah. started the company, and then there's Little Johnson. Right, okay. He does not like being called Little Johnson. Yeah, kind of gets him. Uh, yeah, makes him feel I, inferior. I don't know what his problem is, but uh, he does. Yeah. But anyway, Johnson's bonus. Thank you very much for your sponsorship. And, yeah. Uh, Devil, how, what what level you on on Candy Crush now, Devil? Yeah, do you know. ever even pay attention to this damn show? I've been listening to you ramble on now for shout outs to ten minutes, Casey. Casey, you know, get up here and straighten this girl out for the love of God. Oh my gosh! I'm shout outs to, to Brittany. 
Brittany, you alcoholic little Jezebel, straighten your life up. Find Jesus. Do something with yourself. Shout outs to my mom. Now, Dottie, Dottie, you just really, Dottie, you, you should have your own halo. You should have your own. Shout outs to Renee, Renee. who Renee. should also have her own halo. Yes. Renee, you Renee, who devil. should get hazard pay. R- Renee, Renee you're the devil. who should actually um, have her own house rather than hanging out with you. It, Renee, I, if you need a good divor- divorce attorney, let me know and we'll we'll get we'll get one for you. No, the the, the woman ain't gonna divorce the colonel. So you, you think she knows what side of bread her butter is? She buttered? knows where her butt is buttered. That's yeah. all I'm gonna say. <laughs> okay. All right, let's move on to our topic, which is Please. stalkers. Uh, I'm going to, we're going to, according to our friends at Wiki, Wikipedia, stalking, celebrity stalking, goes back to the early 1600s. And I dare say, Colonel, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Do you think Eve, perhaps, was stalking Adam? Um, well, Eve caused a lot of problems. You think she followed him around the garden, harassing him, making him eat the apple and all that? Well, I mean, think about it. All the troubles we had is just, uh, they were started by Eve. They were started by a woman who just couldn't, they said, don't do one thing. It's like, you know, you tell your woman, tell the woman, don't touch this button. Whatever you do, don't touch this. She got to press the button, you know? Yeah. Well, anyway... Um, so we're going to talk about celebrity stalkers, and we're going to the first stalker. We're going to we all we each took two stalkers, so we did our own research on our own stalkers. So um, for some, we'll, it'll be you know we'll be listening, we'll be learning as we're going to. Um, the first stalker, I'm the first two I'm going to do because they're kind of related, and these go back. The first one goes back to the 19th century, and it comes from England. We got a lot of new new listeners in England, Colonel. We do. And we're real grateful for that. So uh, please keep listening and um, please uh, send us an email. Let us know where you're from and uh, we'll give you a shout out next show. Um, but the first um, stalker is Edward Jones, who is better known as the Boy Jones. And he was called the Boy Jones by the British newspaper. Uh, he was known as a notorious intruder into Buckingham Palace uh, in 1838, between 1838 and 1841. So Edward Jones was born son of a tailor in London in 1824. He was described as an odd child, not one who was... And he wasn't mentally ill or deranged. He was just a little odd. You can relate to that, I'm sure, Colonel. Well... Odd is not necessarily a bad thing. Well, he was also described as extremely ugly, with a wide mouth, a low brow. Um, he never washed, and he, he looked like probably he could do a Geico commercial. He might be able to, and people kind of he looked like a you know like someone out of Charles Dickens novel. You know, he looked like a like a chimney sweep, dirty face walking mm-hmm. around. Okay, yeah. so. Um, his uh, favorite pastime, or his obsession, was socking Queen Victoria. Now, so in 1938, at the age of, uh, he was about 14 years old, uh, he decided he was going to go in, break into Buckingham Palace, disguised as a chimney, chimney sweep. So, 
Well, if you're going to be all filthy and funky walking around, yeah, you, you know, can't go don't... in and say, oh, I'm the new butler. No, but if today, I don't think you could walk into the White House claiming to be a chimney sweep. Well, apparently probably... you can't just walk into the White <laughs> right. House. People yeah. have done it. Because the Secret Service is napping. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of the situation here, too, because uh, at that point in 1838, when this occurred uh, the first time, Queen Victoria, and I mean, you know, we think of Queen Victoria as this very stoic, older, unattractive, um, you know, Octogenarian, and but at this point she was only 19 years old because she was kind of hot, Colonel. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it wouldn't be uncommon for you know a celebrity today. It's not uncommon for uh, attractive celebrities today to have stalkers, and so she was sort of the celebrity of her time. And um, Edward Jones took a shining to her, and decides he's going to well you know kind of break into Buckingham Palace and take a look around. So. As one tends to do. As one tends to do. Um, he gained access um, to uh, the palace through an unlocked door uh, or unshuttered windows. They're not sure on the ground floor. Uh, you know, and this was back in the day. This was, you know, 1838, so it was before 9-11. And they didn't, have, didn't yeah. have the security that they probably do today. We're assuming they have today. But he was caught. Uh, finally, he got caught. He walked in and went to the mar- you know, walked around the marble hall. Look at, you know, looked at the, uh, the paintings. Kind of, you know, just kind of looking around. And uh, he was caught by the police. And when they caught him, they found that he had a pair of Queen Victoria's underwear stuffed down his trousers. There you well, go. Who doesn't? Most of the time back then. <laughs> at least I mean. it wasn't on his head. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, now, Colonel, I don't know what he planned to do with those bloomers. Put them on eBay. Sniff them. <laughs> he was going to put them on eBay. You get a lot of money for Queen Victoria's drawings. Yeah, they'd probably be some worth something now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but anyway, uh, he had tried to escape uh, by shimmying up a chimney, but that didn't work. And not much of a chimney sweep, was it? <laughs> no. So anyway, he was brought to they had a uh, he was brought to the police headquarters at Queen Square uh, on December fourteenth, eighteen thirty eight, um, and um, he apparently he had bragged or he mentioned quite frankly to his employer that um, he was a builder and he fourteen I don't know what you're building but anyway he had bragged that he was going to do this and so they had some evidence against him and they could have but he stole a sword and uh, along with the uh, undies. But despite the fact that he had stolen these items, uh, he was acquitted by the jury. Uh, I think they thought it was more of a prank. And um, so uh, Edward Jones did not have to serve any time for his first offense. Yeah, so he was acquitted. Uh, he didn't have to go to jail. Now, a year, almost two years later, on November 30th, 1840, and just nine days after Queen Victoria gave birth to her first child, Princess, Princess Victoria, um, Boy Jones scaled the wall of Buckingham Palace and uh, entered the palace and left undetected. So he got in, walked around a little bit, looked around. Well, then how did they know he was there? Um, apparently he um, confessed to it later on. Then on uh, just a couple, uh, the next day, December 1st, 1840, he broke in again shortly after midnight, and he was discovered by a nurse. Um, he was hiding under the sofa in the queen's dressing room when he was arrested. He had stolen some food from the kitchen and uh, had uh, apparently been sitting on the throne for a while. Yeah. Yeah, well. 
Um, like on the toilet or on the actual throne? No, 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 throne? actually the real throne. And, and really, why wouldn't you, Colonel? I mean, well, you, you, we totally should do that. If I ever break yeah. in, that's a first yeah, thing. Yeah, if I'm you're going to take a risk of going to, you know, uh, if you're going to take a risk of going, going to the joint, you're going to do, if you're in the uh, Buckingham Palace, you're going to sit on the damn throne. But um, I don't know if he sat on the other throne or not, but... Anyway, he's, he was... Well, the problem was, yeah. is he got the thrones confused. Mm. And he uh, dropped the dookie on the... That's the not what happened. Oh, that is not what happened. That would be I terrible. Heard, that's what I heard. Did you okay, set so, the word on the street? So Boy, What's that? Set the word on the street. That's the word on the street. So, Boyd Jones' father... Uh, went Boy to George. Court. <laughs> yeah, they got that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, he pleaded with the court, saying his son was insane... Uh, to police just let him, you know, let him off again. But this time, you know, this came right after she had the child. So they're getting a little, you know, Queen Victoria, we'll have to do a podcast on this one once, some at some point. She she had seven assassination attempts on her life. There you go. So, um, you know, I'm sure they take these sort of things seriously. But anyway, he was, he was uh, turned over to the House of Correction uh, for three months. And uh, so he was, again, part of this, the concern this time. The first time it was saw kind of a prank, and the second time it was like, okay, this is a little weird. So um, before he was released in March of 1841, they tried to convince him to, Edward Jones, to join the Navy, but he didn't. Uh, instead, uh, when he got released on March, uh, got released on March the second. Instead, on March fifteenth, guess what he did? He, he broke went in back again. To the palace. He broke him back into the palace on March fifteenth, eighteen forty-one. He had a snack and uh, walked around the royal apartments, and he was caught by the police again. Security found him at the kitchen table eating cold meat and potatoes. There you go. Uh, Why they didn't have a microwave back then? I guess not. I mean, yeah, cold meat would be kind of disgusting, but, you know, well, you know, what did they eat? I don't know what, they, what kind of meals they ate back then. Maybe that was good. Um, but anyway, um, when they asked him how he got into the palace, he just kind of shrugged and said, well, same as before. Well, this time, instead of just getting three months in um, the House of Corrections, he got hard labor. So, you know, there he's... Yeah, the the the, the uh, penalties getting a little harder each, more harsher each time. Um, and the third um, incident really became a, like a media sensation that this guy kept, you know, uh, it got, this guy keeps getting into the palace, and so additional security guard, uh, guards were appointed. And uh, like I said, he he becomes somewhat of a celebrity, although reluctantly he did not. And is it is not something that he um, took a lot of pride in being the um, queen stalker. Um, and uh, later in his life, he would change his name to kind of get away from it because I guess he took a lot of ribbing from it. Well, um, his name is stupid. Well, well and the, after he got released the second time, um, they uh, he was offered uh, to um, go uh, to appear at the music hall in London to kind of tell his story um, for three hundred twenty-five. Well, for four pounds a week, which would be like three hundred twenty-five pounds a day, which is I don't know, roughly five hundred bucks, Colonel, something like that. Um, about five hundred and sixty dollars. Okay, we'll take we'll go with your figure. So um, <laughs> <laughs> look it up if you want to be precise. But anyway, uh, he turned that down. He did not want 
you know, he did not want to be associated with this activity, even though he was a bit compulsive about it. Well, a short time later, um, he was caught in the vicinity of Buckingham Palace, and this time he was put on a ship and sent to Brazil. Now, Colonel, I know that is something that well, probably th- th- people have attempted to do to you. They on have occasion. tried to um, abscond with the Colonel. Mm-hmm. Um, I've woken up in Australia before. Uh, woke up on a beach in Africa one time. Yeah, well, uh, Colonel, so, uh, Colonel like a good beagle, he always make it back. Well, and so did Edward Jones. He made it back to England, uh, even though he they took him all the way to Brazil. He found his way back after a year, and he was apparently he stayed on this ship, uh, kind of like a prison ship that was off the coast uh, there in Portsmouth, London, and. Somehow he got ashore, and he was found walking. He actually was on his way to, guess where? Uh, the Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Palace. Palace. Yeah. So um, uh, this time they put him on a ship, shipped him out, and um, sent him to Australia, which a colonel, as you know, was a penal colony. It was a penal colony. Yeah. That's, <laughs> where, they, that's where they put the penises. <laughs> yeah. Well, um uh, poor Edward Jones. He became an alcoholic and a recluse. Didn't he uh, open an investment firm? <laughs> no, that was a different one. But Ed Jones did not like, like I said, he did not like to be known as the uh, Queen's stalker. And you think he would escape it going down under like he did. But um, he didn't like um, the, the the research I read on it, you know, the stuff I read on him. It sounds like he was asexual. It doesn't sound like he had any type of relationships in his life, either with men or women. Uh, he was alcoholic. He was recluse. Um, and he was arrested for breaking and entering on several occasions. Um, so he sold pies. That was his one constructed thing that he did. But he was often a butt of jokes for being the queen stalker and still in her underwear. Um, he tried to change his name to Thomas Jones, but people still knew who he was. Well, eventually, eventually, when you're uh, walking around with a pair of the queen's panties on your head, I wonder. I wonder if she had thongs. Yes, the queen. Yeah, I think she did. Oh, I, I bet he. I bet she had the sexy garters. I think she had the um, mm-hmm. butt floss. The butt floss. Yeah, yeah. walking yeah. up hill. I yeah. don't think so. I, I picture these big bloomers, long leg bloomers. I don't know. If well, I something. think that's back when they wore the petticoats. Yeah. Who knows. But anyway, um, he began, he, uh, Thomas Jones ended up being, he, uh, he got found a job as the town court crier in Perth, go. Australia. Town crier. It just keeps bringing me back there. Have you seen the movie Raising Arizona? Uh, no. Devil? Not recently. Nicholas Cage robs a bank and he puts a stocking on cap on, but he doesn't get the other pantyhose. Oh, yeah, and it's just hanging off one side. He's like, the guy says, boy, you got a panty on your head. That's Thomas Jones. It yeah. is. Well, Boy Jones died on December 26th, Boxing Day, as it's known. Did somebody hit him? And no, that's just what they how they celebrated in England and the Commonwealth, I should say. Um, on December 26, 1893, at the age of 69 in Barnsdale, Australia, he apparently fell off a bridge while he was drunk and landed on his head. Um, I hate that. Yeah. Uh, was he head. on his way to stalk the queen? No, he was in Australia, but he landed on his head. you think he would have forgot about the queen if he would have had enough head injuries? Uh, I don't know. He, he landed on his head on concrete, and, and, and he had in his hand some, um, they Pace. found some um, weeds or something he was trying to hold on to, but uh, apparently it didn't break his 
fall, but no. the, the concrete did. Well, yeah. And uh, we lost poor Edward Jones that way. Oh, the poor bastard. There was a mem- there's a memorial plaque in his honor uh, in Australia. <laughs> I don't know. Well, he became kind of famous. I mean, they for being a town crier. No, for being the queen stalker. They they wrote children's books about him, and I'm not sure. I don't know. It's kind of creepy. How do you make him into a folk hero? I don't know. We'll have to ask uh, Lady Beverly. Maybe she can explain that. Yeah. Um, but he there's a plaque for him down under. Uh, but curiously, it says it talks about his um, um, uh, obsession with entering Windsor Castle, and he didn't actually enter Windsor Castle. It was Buckingham Palace that he entered. So someone had a big typo there. Mm. Now my that's second that's egg on their face. So that was Boy Jones, interesting guy. It wasn't that interesting. Well, he stole the Queen's underwear. Well, and you know, back have then, you ever stolen the Queen's underwear? Now think about this. This is what I want you to think about. Devil, you eating chocolate cakes. So I, I am eating chocolate cake. Um, it's birthday. Now, this is back when they wore the heavy bloomers and everything else, right? They yeah. didn't have the air conditioning. Right. Those had to be some foul underwear that he was stealing. Well, maybe maybe they were freshly laundered. You don't know. No. Why would anybody take freshly laundered? You could go buy freshly laundered well, underwear. You need them right from the queen. He stole the Queen's knickers and you, which is more than accomplishments than you have. So, well, I do. I I have no desire to own anything that has a Queen's butt sweat on it. <laughs> okay. Well, then you probably wouldn't like Michael Fagan because butt sweat wasn't the issue. <laughs> Michael Fagan, uh, we're gonna get fast forward for a hundred years, exactly. And Michael Fagan uh, became known as the. Uh, another stalker of the Queen, only this time it was Queen uh, Queen Elizabeth, the current Queen. Uh, he broke White in. What is it with you and Queen? Well, I'm just I'm playing this to our. Uh, we have a big audience in uh, the he UK. He likes their music. I do, and they're very uh, gracious people. So we're going to cover this. Giving pro- you have yeah, a problem with that? Well, the thing about the the Brits is is nope. There's nothing English. about the Brits. No, we have nothing deep down. That now they might listen to us. But deep down, they thinking, you know what? They're Americans. We're better than them. Well, you know, it's not that deep, far, much deep down, and and they probably are. They're better than you. Yeah. <laughs> well, your money. We can Python or something. We can agree on that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying they they know that they're better than us. So they think well, they are. Better. They're like Canadians. Better than you. Yeah. Again. Okay, Michael Fagan. They wouldn't even let you in, England Devil. Uh, Michael you Fagan. You can't get out of the country. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you, Michael Fagan. Uh, in 19, uh, he was born in 1948 in Clerkenwell, London, uh, on August the 8th. He was the son of Ivy and Michael. Is that next to Whitechapel? I have no idea. He was the son of Ivy kind of and Michael Fagan. And now, uh, wasn't he uh, in the Oliver Twist thing? No. In 1966, he left home Lisa. to escape his father because he was uh, his father was violent, and. Um, <coughs> Abusive, so he he left home and got married at the age of twenty. Now on July the ninth, mistake one. July the ninth, yeah, because she left him, and and that's when his breakdown kind of began. On July 9th, nineteen eighty-two, uh, Fagan, who at the time was 30, uh, 33 years old, he was an unemployed decorator. His wife just left him. He decided he just when your wife leaves you and you're an unemployed decorator, what's better thing to do than scale Buckingham Palace's 14 foot wall? And that's what he did. It's and it was topped with revolving spikes and barbed wire. And he shimmied up a drain pipe, 
before wandering into the queen's bedroom about 7.15 a.m. How do you shimmy up a drain pipe? He shimmied. I don't know how he did it. The do it all the The man shimmied. By his own account, it was his second attempt. Uh, on, on the first attempt, he also shimmied up the drain pipe. He does a lot of shit. Uh, but at the first attempt, he stopped a housemaid who's called security. And when security reached the scene, Fagan had disappeared, leading them to believe that the housemaid had been mistaken. Wasn't no man shimmying up that uh, drain pipe. So anyway, uh, the, the second attempt he was in, he entered the palace through an unlocked window on the roof. And why is all these windows unlocked? hundred well, years later, you think they learned their lesson. They're shimmying. They're shimmying. People they're shimmying left and right. Left and right. Uh, so he spent the next half hour <laughs> eating cheddar cheese and crackers and wandering around. Now, he tripped uh, several alarms, but they were faulty. So uh, eh, he was looking around. He was looking at the portraits. He rested a while on the throne. Like we said, if you're going to, be in the, if you're going to break into Buckingham Palace, you want to sit on the throne for a while. Um, he entered a uh, post room where uh, Princess uh, Diana uh, had hidden the presents, uh, Christmas presents for her son, William. Um, now, Prince William. Uh, he drank a half a bottle of white wine uh, before getting tired and decided to leave. Uh, now, on his second attempt, an uh, alarm sensor detected him and a member of the palace staff uh, thought the, the alarm was faulty, so they again, they silenced it. And he continued just to run around the corridors, looking around. And there's a fascinating interview with him later on that I'll get to. But anyway, he broke a, a glass ashtray, and he cut his hand, and he was carrying a fragment of the glass when he entered the queen's bedroom. Uh, he The queen woke up when he was uh, disturbing a curtain. Now... Why, if you're if you're breaking someone's house and they're asleep, why are you messing with the curtain? He's a decorator. Yeah, yeah he's a decorator. Come on. Well, I'm saying you, you want to keep the sunlight out. He's anyway. A she woke up, and um, she was quite startled by the presence of this man with this gla- uh, glass ashtray in his hand. Um, and she uh, called for security. Well, they didn't come, of course. Um, you it, know why? You ever been to Buckingham Palace and seen those guards? They don't move for nothing. Well, no. And actually, sometimes the, that works against you. The, uh, the dude on duty, the footman. Duty. Duty. You're, 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 you're familiar with the role of the footman, Colonel. No, I would not be familiar with the role of footman because the colonel had neither a footman nor a personal assistant. Okay. Well, the footman of a guy named Paul Wybrew uh, had been out walking the Queen's dogs. Um, then he appeared. and many uh, dogs a girl have? Uh, well, I don't know. He appeared. He saw uh, Fagan. He called the police. Um, and, you know, by that point, um, you know, all bets are off. The cops are everywhere. And um, Fagan was obtained. Uh, uh, he was arrested. All right. I've got the um, Scotland Yard report on. Um, Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard. It's, and I'm, I'm, I'll highlight it. But. It? Well, no, they said that he, you know, um, he, but pretty much what he said, he, he got in, he climbed around, uh, he climbed in a window, he shimmied up the drain pipe, climbed in the window, he left his uh, sandals and socks on the roof, so he was walking around barefoot. Um, what a weirdo. And, yeah. He said he was following pictures, that's how he figured out where he was going. I guess he had studied the pitch photos and kind of kind of get a lay of the land. And um, 
he did walk in on the queen and started her, her course. Um, and so that their report was highly critical of the palace guard and of the police response. Um, and now, could this be one of those things where the queen was having an affair and she got caught and then said, mm-hmm. oh, look at this man in my bedroom. No, apparently Arrest not, him. because at this point she was well, in her 60s, I think. Um, so well, she's 89 now, so whenever this was, 72. She's I mean, still she's probably, She was probably, yeah, she was so young. But anyway, I don't think she was having an affair with him. According to Fagan in his interview, I'll get to in a minute, in 2000, I think he gave an interview in 2012 on her 60th year on the throne, and I'll get to that in a minute. But anyway... Um, oh, I think it's going to be more in a minute. Because it was wrong. a civil wrong and not a criminal offense, he was not charged with trespassing in the queen's bedroom. He was charged with theft because he, he stole some cheap wine, according to him, it was cheap wine. Uh, but the charges were dropped when he uh, was committed to a psychiatric... Uh, for When he committed, um, he um, agreed to a psychiatric evaluation. He spent the next six months in a psychiatric hospital before being released in January of 1983. Um, But in 19, or I'm sorry, in 2007, Buckingham Palace was designated a um, special site um, for serious and organized crime, so that anyone who trespasses now faces, you know, stiffer penalties. Uh, Fagan's mother said that he would never hurt the queen, and she just imagined he just wanted to uh, have to talk to her about his problems. Be that as it may, uh, he was uh, in 1984. Uh, he assaulted a policeman in Wales and was giving a given a three month suspended jail sentence. He was um, found guilty of indecent exposure in 1987. He sounds misunderstood. After being... He, he sounds like a nice guy, just can't really keep himself together. Well, he was, spotted, he was spotted running around wearing no trousers uh, in Chingford, London. I don't was know he under the influence of the devil juice? Well, he has his own... I'll get to his take on this. He, he has a reason for it. He, he was also, four years after that, in 1997, him and his wife were charged with uh, conspiring to supply heroin. Um, it's Randy Quaid. And, and he spent four years in prison for that. He's out now. Good news. In oh. ni- 1983, he recorded a cover version of the Sex Pistols' God Save the Queen with the British punk band, uh, the Bollock Brothers. But let me get to this interview, because uh, The Guardian interviewed him in 2012, so just three years ago, when the Queen, uh, uh, when Queen Elizabeth uh, celebrated her 60th year yeah, as on the, uh, throne. on the throne, he said. I, I, I talking about the incident. He said I was scarier than I ever been in my life. Um, you know, he pulled back the curtains to see the queen staring up at him, and he says she's uh, quoting him. The queen said, "What are you doing here?" And it's a uh, legitimate question. Yeah, yeah, fair question, fair question. I think so. Uh, and you know, according to the media reports, the queen kind of sit around and talked to him till the guards came. But according I to, I if they had tea together. <laughs> I don't think so. According to Fagan, she hightailed it the hell out of there. He said he saw her running down the <laughs> hall, with her bare feet. He described her nightgown as uh, being uh, her nightie was one of those Liberty prints. I don't know what that is. And it was down to her knees. So um, he said, yeah, that she didn't stick around and talk to him, that she ran past him and ran down the room, 
probably went into where the fuck her security was. Right. Somebody's getting their ass ripped for this. Um, but uh, he finally, the uh, later on, he said about ten years later, they re- the Scotland Yard returned his sandals to him that they found on the roof. Well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. They're but he apparently he said he was wandering. He wandered around the palace and he looked. He was looking at King uh, George's V's uh, multi-million dollar uh, stamp collection. Uh, he also had a bottle of cheap California wine. When he rent, uh, when he come, come, the footman confronted him and said, "Fucking hell, mate! You look like you need a drink." And um, got him a, a, a glass of scotch. And I, I think said, that's pretty much the British reaction to everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No matter where I travel, you know, I run into these British guys. No matter where, I mean, you'd be in Antarctic. There's some Brits there. Mm-hmm. They were a fun bunch. Oh, I was in, not to get too sidetracked, but I was in a fantasy football league. Mm-hmm. And there was 10 of us in the league. Five of them were Brits. I didn't know them from Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, three of them decided they was coming to Cleveland to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They, came, they went to New York, and then they came to Cleveland. And uh, they were going to be in Cleveland. They were, they was like, you know, I've been in the fantasy football league with them for for years. Mm-hmm. And they said, come on, meet us up in Cleveland. And they didn't realize, you know, yeah, for the distance. How the distance. So we we met halfway in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And I spent the night in a bar with these three Brits. And I will tell you this, Timmy, the sons of bitches can drink more than anybody yeah, ever met. Yeah, yeah, they're they're fun to hang out with. That's for sure. Well, you're sitting on the edge of your seat all the time because you never know when just complete anarchy and chaos is going to break <laughs> out. And and they they and I and I happen to notice that they dress a little bit funny. They don't tend to care much about matching up clothes. Well, they don't care much about style. They're just normal guys. You know, it was very very nice guys. You know what I like about them is that. They are they're calm, you know. They're never out to start fights but, and arguments. Well, but here's the thing, Timmy. They have a sense of humor that most people don't really get. And when they get to drinking and they get to joking with people, and you're in a bar for kind of scary people, um, you know. And, and and the colonel, you know, pretty pretty proficient in the fisticuffs if he has to be, but. I thought the whole ball was going to kick our ass. <laughs> and, and they were just teasing people and joking around. They liked to tease and joke, but damn, they could drink and drink and drink and drink. Yeah. Never seen anything like them. before. when I travel, I, no matter where I go. And they know. would order three beers at a time because they liked their beer They're warm. very good nature, yeah. They liked their warm beers, or they order three at a time and let them get warm to room temperature. Okay, back to Mr. Hagen. In this interview... He said he wandered... I think my story is more interesting. <laughs> he was looking for a bathroom. You'll like this, Colonel. He was looking for the WC, the water closet. Mm-hmm. And all the rooms were labeled, like Diana's room and Charles's room and the Queen's room, but there was no room labeled WC, and he didn't want to pee on the carpet, so he peed on the food. Yes. Um, so... Makes sense. He said he felt like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. He said, "What kind of food was was it? I don't don't know. know. Some probably some that nasty crap they eat. That I was gonna, you know, blood sausage or something. You wasn't with English food unless it's fish and chips. You ain't gonna be able to tell the difference. Okay, so um, he said it was harder to get in than it was to get out. Um, You think? The day after the the day, the the day after the break in, he was arrested for stealing the car in London. He was driving it to Brandy's favorite place, the Stonehenge, to search for his wife. I don't know why his wife would be at the Stonehenge, but he was looking for it. Anyway, they got back together. He admitted to the heroin 
issue, and he admitted to the um, uh, assaulting the police officer, but he said the whole indecent exposure thing was overblown. He was actually... Um, he was actually tr- going into the water in a little pond or lake or something to retrieve a fishnet, and he took off his trousers. He said that in the court, the um, complaint, the pl- uh, the woman filing the complaint said that he had a huge erection, but he put up his finger and his uh, forefinger and said, you know, it's not that big. She could not see it from that far, so it was totally all fabricated on her part. Him claiming that he he was small, uh, not very well endowed, and did not have an erection that she could see. So um, he said, uh, talking about going into the uh, palace, he said it was like something was in his brain, like the Pink Floyd song, "There's someone in my head, and it's not me." He said that um, he says he's retired now, that he's not going to be breaking in uh, to the palace anymore. Uh, asked if he had a message for Her Majesty. Uh, and he said, yes, I want to congratulate her for 60 years on the throne. It's fucking great. And I hope that she beats Victoria, meaning Queen Victoria's reign, which she has done this earlier this year. This was in 2012. And I hope she lives to be 100. If she does, I'm going to send her a birthday telegram for her birthday. So I'll how's, bring it to her himself. Very gracious. <laughs> he might just bring it to himself. Yeah. Now, Colonel, I know you're a big fan of Lady Diana. Um, well, I like Lady Di. Um, she was who a, do you like more, Lady Di or what about Camilla Parker Bowles? Camilla Parker Bowles. <laughs> well, <laughs> now, what's wrong it, with you? And here's here's my I thoughts. I love that. It makes me laugh. On the whole thing is that uh, Camilla. Camilla is not a. Uh, what's her name? Camilla. Camilla. Com- oh, I don't know how to say the girl's Camilla. name. Camilla. What's her name, Brandon? Camilla She's the other Parker woman is what Bowles. she is. She's the Jezebel. She's the hussy. She, the she is a hussy. Yes. So do you like more? Do you like Lady Diana or do well, you like Camilla Parker? Bull. And my, my, the colonel take on this whole thing is probably while she was beautiful to look at, you know, there are some women that are beautiful to look at. Mm-hmm. But you get them between the sheets and they're just like dead fish. Please stop talking. Are you talking? I don't even want to know who you're talking about. And I'm saying that maybe Miss Bowles had more to offer in the the romance department than Lady Di did. First of all, gross. Have you seen Charles? Gross. Have you seen Camelia Barker? Bowles. (laughs) Gross. All of it's gross. I love saying her name. Yes, we know. Okay, that's it for the English stalkers. Let's move across the pond. And Brandy, will you tell us about some American, uh, more uh, modern stalkers? So I've got I've got a couple here. Um, the first one, and you know, like we talked before, Timmy, some of these guys just it's very. Um, there's not a lot out there on them. This is what they right. did. This is what. Yeah, it's what they're known for. It's not like. Yeah, yeah it's I not like they had. Uh, you know, they're one trick pony. In a yeah, lot of ways. I mean, they're pretty. You know, obviously, there's something that's not connecting in their head. Um, but let's let's take Rebecca Schaefer. Oh, um, yeah, this now it's getting darker because these guys take it. Yeah, this guy took it to a different level. Um, Rebecca Schaefer was um, 21 years old. She was a native of Portland, Oregon. Uh, she was she was a rising star uh, on television. She was she co-starred with Pam Dauber on My Sister Sam. Yeah, uh, Pam Dauber was 
we were was also in working Mindy, right? She was Mindy. Yes, she was Mindy. Um, she had just finished a film called One Point of View. Uh, she was on screen in the comedy Scenes from the Class Struggle in Beverly Hills. Um, by all accounts, she was charming, effervescent. Uh, she'd lived in a quiet neighborhood um, in the in LA's middle class Fairfax area. And she, her neighbors had kind of noticed a guy that was walking around the neighborhood. Um, he just was kind of wandering around carrying this huge manila folder. And witnesses said he kind of handled it very gingerly, like somebody said, like it contained food and he didn't want to turn it over. But he would stop people and then he would pull a glossy publicity photo of Schaefer out and ask um, passersby, people that just were wandering by, if they knew her and they and if you know anybody knew where she lived, it's probably happens to a colonel all the time. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, it happens to me all the time. Um, colonel got stalkers of his own. That's why I'm not really comfortable doing this show. Yeah, I understand, Colonel. And then it's you know it's L.A., so people just kind of thought about it for a second and you know, moved on. Um, a little bit later uh, in the day, he had been seen talking to a cab driver. Uh, outside the North Switzer Avenue building where Schaefer lived. And he was asking the cab driver, is this a house or is this an apartment building? Um, Not long after he was seen talking to that cab driver, uh, he shot her. He walked up to the door. Um, He walked up to the door and, you know, knocked. And she came to the door and she was very gracious Stalkers um, do their homework. Oh, she yeah. Was, well, she was very gracious, and she signed an autograph for him um, and then kind of, you know, shoot yeah, so him off. Get the hell out of here. That would be creepy if someone showed up at your house. Right. Um, but he knocked again, and when she opened the door again, he shot her in the chest. Uh, and a half hour later, she was pronounced dead at Cedar Sinai Medical Center. Shot her with a three fifty seven Magnum, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um the man in the uh, the man in the yellow shirt who'd been asking questions around the neighborhood just was just somebody saw him jogging up the block. Uh, on Wednesday morning, the following morning, police in Tucson began receiving calls about a man be- behaving bizarrely and disrupting traffic at a major intersection. They arrived and found this guy Bardo, a troubled and unemployed young man who had last worked as a janitor at a Jack in the Box. Uh, the they said they'd been tipped that Bardo might be their man by a friend of his in Tennessee. The friend said that Bardo had told him about his obsession with Rebecca Schaefer, that he'd written a love letter to her, and that he threatened to hurt her, because that's what love letters are. Yeah. Yeah, I, and sometimes it's like they're, like they're rejected. If they don't get the response that they want, or if they don't get the... You know, they have, in their mind, they have this personal relationship with this person who... Well, it's, you know, love letters like roses are red, violets are blue. Smashing your face. I'm going to come over to your house and strangle you. Right. Um, And he was 19 years old. His name was Robert John Bardo. Three three names. Mm -hmm. Yeah, three names. Now, see, I always wonder about this. Three names. Does he give three names when you show, when you kill somebody, nah. or have you always gone by Robert John? Nah, Bobby get, John. You don't Bobby get John. it. You don't get it until after you kill someone. Like yeah, your your middle name. They would give by your middle name after you you when you come in and shoot. So I, if I came in and shot you, I'd be Colonel Hawk Walters. Yeah, right. instead of just yeah. the well, that'd be your real name. So we don't want to give that out because you'll have a stalker. 
I already got stalkers. Well, we don't we don't want to add to your problem. So anyway, Tucson police at the time they faxed Bardo's picture to the LA police department, and Schaefer's neighbors identified him as the man who'd been hanging around. I went, how did they? Oh, because they 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 told him that he, the witness told him he had been obsessed with her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a, actually it was a friend of his, and it was a news story. By then, it was probably a news story. Yeah. Um. So she, you know. She really became a big deal because that was, um, you know, really brought the the stalker thing to the sure. forefront. I remember, I remember when it happened. Yeah, and it made everything. You know, it it showed. Well, it showed the vulnerabilities of some of these celebrities. Celebrities, um, and especially this little girl who was just starting out. Just you know, she didn't have money for an entourage. She didn't have money. She right. was hanging out in her apartment waiting right. for a package she to be delivered. Right, she went from like a, a model to a TV celebrity almost overnight. So. Yeah, and yeah, and that's that's what's peculiar about it is she was not. Yeah, she was. It wasn't like she. She's was, a very pretty girl. Yes, yeah, she was very attractive. But I mean, you could see maybe Pam Darber having that type of obsession, or or Angel Jolie, or someone like that. But she she wasn't that big at the time. No, well, I guess you got your A-list stalkers and you got your B-list stalkers. Yeah. She was up and coming. Well, but. here's some A-list stalkers for you. Oh, good. So, Olivia Newton-John. My favorite. As I, I would have stalked. I may be stalking her now. I love Olivia Newton-John. Yes. So I have been mellow. You have what? I've been mellow. Well, I would like to get physical. Yeah. I don't want physical. any yeah, part of this conversation. I would so, like to hear her body talk. Body talk. Wow. So, Olivia Newton-John had her own set of problems. She had multiple, multiple um, stalkers. Did you see the little Jezebel jumping around in those little leggings and headbands? She has horrible taste in men. Well, let me see. Can we all agree on that? Yes, we can. But let me say this. When When she was young, when she was in early 20s, there was never a more beautiful woman to walk this earth than Lillian Johnson. Well, I'm going to disagree with you there because Jessica Lang is still, to this day, as beautiful as you're ever going to find in Okay. Woman. So, Olivia, but Olivia Newton-John, we can all agree, very attractive, horrible taste in men. I don't, know about, I don't know about her taste. I mean, I don't know about really? her history. You're going to tell us, right? Well, I can tell you about her stalkers. Okay. She, well, you know, you, know, and you know what Olivia Newton-John remind me of? She one of her three, boyfriends, like, faked nine. his own death. That Peter, Paul, and Mary song, If I had a hammer, I'd bang her in the morning. Oh, no. I bang she could, her be, a, she could be a killer because she has three names. All over this and that. What I can never understand about Olivia Newton-John is that she had a um, hyphenated name before she was married. Well, that's true. That's but true. But anyway, go ahead. Maybe Newton was a metal name. I don't know. So, let's talk about Olivia Newton-John. She had, she's like I said, she's had a couple. And let's start with Ralph New. N-A-U. When you say new or yeah. now? New. New? Yeah. Let's start with him. He was born in Wisconsin in 1955. Um, he had a spinal condition that prevented him from learning to walk until he was three. Relatives say he was difficult, exhibited increasingly erratic behavior, um, and he would scream suddenly without provocation. Like Tourette's or something? I don't know. It sounds like autism. But anyhow. Sounds like what Timmy does on Monday. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Um, as a teenager, now here you go. As a teenager, he scared relatives by entering their homes in the dead of night, uh, and then he would run away several times. He, he just he ran away. Um, so they wake up and the dude is They wake up over and he's there. 
That is creepy. Uh, and then he started his obsession with celebrities. In 1978, listen to this. In 1978, this nut job obtained a California driver's license under the name Sean Newton John. Oh, God. Using this well, alias. Well, want to have that name? Well. Sean Newton John. This right. is probably about time Grease is out or something. 78, yeah, yeah about that. Uh, Xanadu. Yeah. There you go. Xanadu. Sorry. There you uh, go. Sometimes I just want to break out in song. See, I, I think what Xanadu is when she jumped a shark, Timmy. Xanadu is just too much for me. Uh, oh, yeah. I sing Xanax. Hmm? You do? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so using this alias, he obtained Livia's address. Um, and sent her a bunch of letters, disturbing letters. He also, this is the guy, he killed a dog and sent its teeth to another celebrity. Um, How many celebrities He was targeting 40 celebrities. Jesus. He's, including, that's a busy he can't day, focus. Man. He can't focus. Man, so busy. he was cheating on Olivia Newton-John. Like well, right. But he, unless he was uh, Unless he was stalking Juice Newton because he used her name as well. Well, yeah, he was ta- he was targeting forty John. forty celebrities, including Madonna, Cher, and Sheena Easton. And they all gave him the cold shoulder. Olivia became his main target. Madonna, Cher, and Sheena Easton. And Sheena how did Easton. Sheena Easton? One of these things is did, not like the other. How did she break into the top four? But in '78, Madonna shouldn't have been in the top four either. Right. Oh, Madonna. You know no, what? she wasn't even... Uh, no. She didn't even have a hit till the 80s, did she? No, she didn't. He's a man ahead of his time. Like, yes. He, got, he started, you know, before she got too popular. Before she had a lot of other stalkers. And, yeah. Uh, in the span of three years, News sent Olivia Newton-John 600 terrifying letters. Jesus That's two a day. Security agents monitored him closely every day. And this is before email. He yeah, traveled. This is yeah, letters. he traveled the world to attend her concerts, unaware that security men occupied the seats around him. Uh, convinced he was mentally Jesus ill. Jesus Christ, that wouldn't be worth the. Uh, you'd have to you put five guys around him just so he could watch the show. Why don't you just kick? You know, not allow him to buy a ticket. I know. Uh, convinced he was mentally ill, they tried and failed to have him hospitalized. In 1983, New moved to Illinois to live with his mother, Shirley, his stepfather, Ken Gherkin, and Dennis Gherkin, Ken's son from a previous marriage. Dennis was eight, was severely disabled and unable to speak or perform basic functions. Um, having read News letters... Like fans' newsletters or something? Mm-hmm. Uh, newsletter... DeBecker feared he might harm his family... So DeBecker, guy's name was Gavin DeBecker, and he was in charge of Olivia Newton-John's security. She had hired him. He has a whole outfit. So he'd read all these letters and decided that, um, you know, he might harm his own family. So he was, like, profiling him. Yeah. Um, And he warned him. Uh, But on August 8th, 1984, Ralph New bludgeoned Dennis, the little... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Boy uh, with an axe and buried him in a shallow grave. Next so day, he, he did, kill a, he did kill a member of his family. Next day, he told police he did this because the boy prevented him from watching an important TV show uh, where Olivia was sending him signals. Well, uh, and you know uh, what? And granted, he went a little bit far on that. But the colonel... Granted. That's granted. Do you ever watch the show Modern Family? Yes. And, and we watch The Walking Dead. We do. What happens to little Noah when he runs in front of the TV when The Walking Dead on and you're trying to watch it? Little Noah being your son. Little Noah's not up when I'm watching The Walking Dead. Okay, when some okay when when your husband I don't hit him with an axe. When the sweetest man in the, the world, hold on, I don't, I don't hit him with an not, axe. Okay, no, it's the wrong expression because you do have in your devil stone heart there some affection for the little boy. But let's go with Dave, your husband, who's who's really the sweetest, finest man you're ever no going to meet. For. Who is um, who's a saint? Oh, oh, the man should have a robe and sandals. Yeah, oh my you know. God. He should go, walk around putting hands on people he on. Yeah. Um, St. Dave. St. Dave. That's what we're going to call him from now on. Yes. St. Dave. Um, now, you watching The Walking Dead, all right, and Dave starts talking to you and asking you questions. Explain Tell to me you. you wouldn't hit him with a hatchet. I would hit Dave with a hatchet for adjusting himself on the couch. It's not going to take yeah, anything see? for me to hit him with a hatchet. Guys have to adjust. But we're criticizing this guy for hitting somebody with a hatchet. I no, mean, this kid's uh, this kid was five years old. And it he could was have been eight, 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 eight years old. You we're, should we're, know better. We are judging a little bit. You're right. Girl. How are you? How are you going to learn? How are you going to so, learn? If I'm not by killing him. It takes a village, people. So he confessed. Well, this guy confessed. It takes a village, this. idiot. Yeah, it takes right. a village, idiot. This guy confessed to all of this, but he was deemed mentally unfit, and his confession was thrown out. He was committed to a mental hospital where he remains uh, to this day, actually. Uh, but because his, case, his case is reviewed twice a year, um, DeBecker testifies every time against his release. But he could feasibly get out. Oh, let's hope not. Yes. And I'm sure Olivia Newton-John hopes not. Well, and here's another good one for Miss Olivia Newton-John. Well, I mean, in her case, in this guy's case, he just didn't have access to her. He tried. Right, right. He was wanting some access. And it would not have been a good thing for her had he had access. So who's her her second? Well, on July 20th, 1983, um, 
And this is after physical here. Yes. DeBecker, the guy in charge of her security, re- received some alarming news. Uh, police in Jennings, Louisiana, had found five people brutally murdered, and their suspect was Michael Perry. And Michael Perry was also stalking Olivia Newton-John. Yeah, Jesus. He so, killed five people? He killed his family. Oh. So, and they, again, they were home. let's not rush to judgment here. They were home. Everybody been to a Thanksgiving where you just wanted to clear out the whole house? Well, yeah. uh, So he see. killed five members of his own family. Like, pretty... It's pretty rough. So the crime scene photographs were gruesome. Uh, Perry had shot out his parents' eyes with a shotgun, killed his infant nephew, and inexplicably fired several shotgun blasts into a wall heater. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This was all at one uh, one setting? So he would be a mass murderer as opposed to serial killer. He would be... Now, let me get this straight. And, And I like the way they word this. He shoots out the eyes of his parents. He shoots a little kid. A baby. And then the police say, but it don't make no damn sense that he shot the heater. Yeah, well, it doesn't. Uh, he also killed... Like he had a good reason for shooting his parents' eyes out. He also killed two cousins Could've in another house. Down. Maybe so, that was the problem. He was sweating balls and nobody was listening. <laughs> Turn the fucking thing down! <laughs> uh, he also killed two cousins at another house. Oh, okay. So he didn't. He didn't. He, oh, he traveled. Expand. Okay, he yeah, traveled. he okay. traveled. Good. Uh, security agents found a notepad near where the bodies had been, and on the pad were many names, some connected by lines, some circled, some were underlined. And Perry wrote the word "sky" near the names of those he'd just killed. The agents believe the other names were people he intended to kill. Some were in Louisiana, others were in Texas, Washington D.C., and only one was in California. And that was Miss Olivia Newton John. Uh, security agents moved Olivia to a safe location. They figured Perry would go to her house. Uh, at that time, Ralph knew was still roaming the countryside. Jesus Christ, she's got all these wackos. But on. now they were trying to find Michael Perry, who was clearly trying to kill Olivia. He wanted to get physical. Um, well, had you. over the next couple of weeks, the, her security team interviewed Perry's schizophrenic sister. So, evidently, he comes from a long line of nut jobs. Did they have to interview her, like, five times? No. <laughs> well, she went schizophrenic. That's multiple Which, personality. She was, was she schizophrenic? Oh. Perry's schizophrenic sister. Oh, okay. Uh, the neighbor boy who said that Perry was decapitated... Was she schizophrenic? Yeah. Who decapitated his dog. Uh, a librarian who had... Now, why did they have to pick on the dog for? Always. Um, it was barking. A librarian who lent Perry survivalist books. Well, he was adjusting the heater. Yeah. See, so you know what? Uh, you yeah. find all these survivalist nuts. There's nut jobs there. And they, you need to you need to assess every one of them. They also uh, interviewed a doctor that Perry had told of his plans to kill people in groups of ten. Well, he fell a little short. Um, Michael's parents, Grace and Chester, had long feared that he might kill him. Um, <laughs> When you know, and I know the fear because I fear that my boys are going to turn on me one day. Yeah, you should. Well, but you know, if you're raising a t- um, child who's schizophrenic, hell, you know, I, that's got to be that's got to be it. Well, they're not. He was not schizophrenic. Well, something's wrong with the boy. Clearly, but he killed, uh, <laughs> killed the, the whole family. Why well, no? <laughs> and the dog. His and the sister's <laughs> schizophrenic, and she's going to lose her shit because I bet that was her baby he killed. And, you know, I'm going to have to. You know what this reminds me of. And, and it ain't funny, but it always made me wonder. There was a, in Hamilton, Ohio, um, back years ago, this is back going back to the 70s. We're going to have to do a podcast on this. 
Um, a guy killed 11 members of his family. You remember that, Timmy? 11 yeah, members of his family. Yeah, did he wait for him to come over for Thanksgiving or Easter? It was Easter. And as they showed up, well, he killed some people in the house, killed them all with a shotgun. Mm-hmm. Now, shotguns ain't quiet. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, you know what? If you're number four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, you probably got it coming. For showing up? What? No, because once he fired the first three shots into people, get your ass quit oh. hunting feast eggs and get to the car. They were all there. It wasn't like they were just coming over. Well, actually, what some he did was did. That yeah. some of them as they was coming over, he shot them. <laughs> did your dad work on that case? No, it's just Cincinnati. Oh, okay. No, it was up in Hamilton. Did. Well, no, it wasn't there either. Okay. Anyway, finish up with a little We'll, we'll look that one up after the show. You, we'll, we can do that. Okay, so Grace, whenever Grace, he would come over to the house, Grace would lock herself in the house and wouldn't let him in unless Chester was there. They hid their guns, gave him money to leave. Um, but, stalkers are tenacious. But this allowed, when they gave him money, it allowed Michael to stalk Olivia Newton-John and others. So they were supporting his habit. Yes. Um... So I bet he liked the Xanadu album. No, I didn't, but I bet he liked it. He he was he had a whole there's a whole string of just odd behavior that he goes through. But while uh, Michael told doctors while he was hospitalized at one point that when he was 7 his mother pushed him against the wall heater which resulted in disfiguring burns on his legs. Hamilton, Ohio. Are you kidding? James Irvin what? Rupert. Thank you, Charles. We'll, we'll get it. We'll, we'll talk about that one next time. So he shot the heater because of that. Okay, so um, he hated his mother. Shot her eyes out. Um, yeah, he hated his mother. Um, he also on the, another person on his list was Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Oh yeah, because that she she would have that would have been about the time she was named Supreme Court Justice. Yeah, so he's just stalking all these 82 people. Or a sociologist that was hired while uh, the people were on the hunt for Michael Perry uh, believed that Perry was either in Louisiana pursuing people on his hit list, stalking Justice Sandra O'Connor in Washington, or hiding in the wilderness area bes- behind Olivia Newton-John's home in Malibu. Well, that sure narrows it down. Um, firemen had told her security staff about a makeshift camp they'd seen seven months earlier near their near her home. But, you know, the, evidently that could yeah, be anybody. Yeah, it could have been anything. Well, it could have been any one of her stalkers. Didn't have yeah. to be this guy. Or it could have been nothing. Um, a neighbor who lived near Olivia just reported that a strange man knocked on her door and asked about the magic movie star and ran into the woods. Uh, DeBecker Devil. and his agents raced Devil. to Olivia's home where sheriff's deputies with tracker dogs waited. Uh, the, dro- the dogs drug agents up a steep hill. And they captured a man hiding in the brush. It was not Michael Perry. Another man. It's another guy. <laughs> another stalker. Another stalker. Uh, the next night, agents searching the area. I'd get back to Australia if I was her. The next night, agents searching the area near her home found a crude shelter that had a direct view of the route Olivia took to and from her home, and the jacket of one of her albums was inside. When the agents heard sounds of someone approaching, they pounced on a man who screamed, I'm the king. But it wasn't Michael Perry. Oh, God. Still this is not a di- Michael Perry. Different stalker. And you have to stand in line to stalk Olivia Newton John, apparently. Uh, while yeah. police across the country were searching for Michael Perry, uh, Ristler predicted Perry would go to Washington to kill Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. So evidently, this guy's like Miss Cleo. He's a sociologist. We got the we got it right the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, on July 31st, his prediction came through. 
came true. He didn't kill Senator Day O'Connor. No, but Washington, D.C. police received a complaint from a man at a hotel who said another man stole his radio. After questioning the two men, the officers dismissed the complaint, but then he checked their names for outstanding arrest warrants, and one was Michael Perry. Police notified DeBecker, who spoke with Perry by phone. He denied going to Olivia's home, but eagerly explained why he wanted to kill her. When she was in that movie, whenever she turned around, she had a different face, you know. She looked like my mother back in 1961. What my movie m- was that, did he say? I don't know. My mother could have walked- been Xanadu, could have been Grease 2. I don't think she was in Grease 2, was she? No. My mother walked into the room. She had this ugly-looking face, and the face in that movie reminded me of 1961. Hell, she wasn't in that many movies. Giving the lie to his earlier statement, he described the entrance into Olivia's home and said, I rang the bell, and there was a camera out front. I didn't get that girl's attention, and she didn't get mine either. Nothing had ever stuck in my mi- to my mind like that. He was fixated on Olivia's eyes. Perry believed they were responsible for the dead bodies that he believed were rising through the floorboards of his childhood home. Oh, well, I she, I, I tell you what, she, has, she did have very, I mean, she does have very beautiful eyes. Did she um, have the breast cancer? No, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I have, yeah, I, don't I think know. so. But she was, she was in Greece. She was in Surid Live. Oh, she was in Face Off. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. On her HBO special, I saw her eyes change color, and I didn't like that at all. She was in straight. That out girl of might. That girl, she wasn't straight out of Compton. That girl might be a witch, you know. It oh, did look Olivia. like my mother. I'm. St- I've stayed up many nights thinking about this. When police searched his hotel room, they found seven TV sets turned to nothing but static. On each screen, Perry had drawn a pair of eyes with colored markers. As police drove Perry back to Louisiana, he asked them to send a message to DeBecker. You better keep an eye on her 24 hours a day. Poor thing. Um, The jury convicted Michael Perry of the five Louisiana murders and sent him to death. Ironically, due to a Supreme Court ruling rendered by Justice O'Connor and her colleagues... His death sentence was set aside. Why is that ironic? He remains in prison because he was stalking her. So, those are the wonderful, wonderful stalkery worlds. Well, I tell you what, I loved loved her as Sandy in Greece. And if I had the means, I would stalk her, but never would hurt her because... She was, she was, she's very beautiful. She was very beautiful. Now, of course, she's Colonel, very she's beautiful. a man. No, <laughs> she looks good. She's aged well. But I mean, how many stalkers do you need at one free? Well, They're fighting for real estate well, behind her house. You, you can't swing a dead celebrity without hitting a Olivia Newton-John stalker. I mean, my God! I saw her in uh, Vegas, and I swear to God, she said hi to me. She didn't. No, she did. She looked right at me and waved. I did she say, "I honestly love you"? Do you remember yeah. Will and Grace? Or did she look at you and say, please, mister, please? No, yeah. do you remember Will and Grace? She said she wanted to get physical with me. Chuck? Yeah, I do. Okay, remember, do you ever see the one where Jack stalks Kevin Bacon? Yeah. And yeah. Kevin Bacon brings him, like, hot chocolate and stuff. <laughs> but he charges him 50 cents. Well, he does charge him 50 cents. But that's, you know, that's a vision that I have, is that these people are just waiting in the bushes, and you might as well just feed them or something, because they're just hanging out. It's well, so weird. You know, that's what... Yeah. Uh, and we're, and it's creepy scary. We don't have, in this uh, this podcast, we're not going to talk about the, one of the creepiest ones, which is um, David Letterman's stalker, but um, he would often come in find her in his house, and he would, you know, call the police and say, please be, you know, kind, kind to her, and... She and she ended up uh, sitting on the railroad track and got hit by a train. 
But, Colonel, talk well, to you got some... John did have breast cancer, and she found out on the same weekend her father died. Ain't that uh, a bad weekend for it, you? It is, but I think I, I'm taking it she's doing well now. She's a, <coughs> she is. She's yeah, found she is. love. She's she a very sweet, sweet young lady and will always be in my heart. Okay, always Colonel, tell us about... Heart. Tell us about your creepy. Um, well, I got a couple. Spot. And everybody knows who they are. They've they've heard about them. Um, one is John Hinckley. Okay, um, John Hinckley, the man who who shot, shot President Reagan. Reagan, which is which is a little ironic because Hinckley was uh, he was crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was crazy, and all these guys who shoot famous people they're typically crazy. Um, but but for the law that Reagan. Enacted did it and deinstitutionalized so many of these people. Hinckley probably would have been locked up and never shot Reagan. But anyway, Hinckley was a normal guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he was just a normal kid. He was good in sports. Everything his Come family from a well was to good. Do, well to do family too, if I remember. <clears throat> yeah, very well to do family. Successful businessman. Father didn't beat him. Uh, no uncle or in the closet molesting him or nothing. He was no just one normal guy. Hurting. Huh? No one buggered him. No one buggered him, no. Yeah. There was no, as far as we can tell, there was no buggering involved in Hinkley's life. Well, you never know about buggering, though. Huh? You never know about buggering. Buggering just no. sneaks up on you. And I, <laughs> it can If you're in the stockades, it creeps right up on you. Or, or if you're drinking and you're in your, even in your sleeping bag. Yeah, it can happen. It can. It can happen. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, that's not an experience the colonel's had, but I've heard tale. <laughs> Um, so Hinkley, <clears throat> all of a sudden, and this is a common thing with stalkers too. Um, they lose interest in sports. Um, and he decided, <laughs> is that common? I didn't know that was common. Yeah, stalker. and he uh, he chose to. And, and a lot of crazy people think they're musicians. That right. you know they got this talent. So he he decided to play his guitar and, and listen to music in his room by himself. Oh yeah. So now he graduates from high school. He's already shown some some strangeness. But he moves to California to be a songwriter. Um, and I, because he was crazy and, you know, didn't have a rhyming dictionary, he, he never really got anywhere with that. So he moves back with his parents in Colorado. Now he drifts around for a few years, and then all of a sudden he sees the film Taxi Driver. Yeah, mm. that's a creepy film. And this You're is back before you had VCR, so you had to go to the theater and see it. And he saw it, uh, he said, 15 times. He became I obsessed I with... I have a hard time getting through that movie. It's so creepy. It's a very hard movie. Definitely. Well, you got Jodie Foster as a very young... She was only 12, I believe, when she did this. Yeah, she, was she played, played a hooker, didn't she, in New York? Yeah. And Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, uh, Travis Bickle. Who was um, the, he was a, the psycho. You talking to me? You must be. You talking to no me? No one else, you must be talking to me. No one else here? You must be talking yeah, to he me. Yeah, was, he was a psycho. So his interest in Taxi Driver evolved into just an obsession with Jodie Foster. <clears throat> and now in 19, er, 1979, he goes out and gets his first gun. And he starts collecting them over the years. And uh, at this time, he's psychologically, he even said, my nervous system shot. He's on antidepressants, sedatives. Um, he's Tim. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and he said... Not the guns. I take heavy. Me- this is his quote. I take heavy medication for which it does not seem to do much good. So when AD moves up to his parents in Colorado again, he sees some, gets some psychiatric treatment, but it didn't help him. But he's still, still obsessed with Jodie Foster. And the, the movie 
taxi driver. It was about a guy who was obsessed over doing. Uh, he was he he wanted to. He wanted shoot, to save her. Wanted to save her, but he also there was a presidential candidate involved, or at least there was a politician involved. There was a politician involved, that involved in that that he yeah. ended up uh, shooting in the film. Yeah. So Hinckley made a bunch of attempts to contact her, but uh, and he was even able to get her on the phone twice, but she. Uh, she rebuffed his efforts to make a connection. See, imagine that. See what happens? You know, women just this. When you well, rebuff, you do not rebuff. You should not rebuff. You no. should not rebuff. But but he, he came up with a good plan. He was going to kill President Carter. Reagan? No, no President he Carter. With Carter. He start with Carter. He decided yeah. with Carter. Um, but it foiled before he even had a chance. So he uh, turned his attention to the next president. Right. Carter, Reagan. that was like 79. Carter loses the 80 election. <clears throat> yeah. And Reagan becomes president. So now on March 30th, jump fast forward a little bit here. Hinckley's still deranged, still obsessed with Jodie Foster. The only thing different is now Reagan's president. Right. Um, and the whole country's starting to go to hell. <laughs> um, so... He decides he's going to impress Foster. And, and you know, and, and when uh, Reagan walks out, he's got three, he's got his bodyguards. He's at the Washington Hilton. He was giving a speech there. And uh, he's leaving the hotel, and he's talking to union members. When Hinckley just walks up and f- starts firing shots. Again, Secret Service is asleep on the job. No, well, actually, they saved his life. The, yeah, McCarthy, Tim McCarthy from the Secret Service um, took one right in the stomach. Yeah, him. but um, if you if you ever see the slow motion of it, uh, <coughs> it, it in slow motion, you see the, yeah. the agent McCarthy getting in front of yeah. the pre, uh, and president getting shot right in the stomach and waving, you know, moving back and forth to take the bullet. It's it's really. I mean, he did as he was trained. Of course, I guess training just kicks in there. But he he did. He took the bullet, and then of course, here's an interesting James thing: Brady Secret Service learned. Yeah. Um, from this too is don't count on local police as security Mm -hmm. Um, because the problem becomes local police have never seen the president so they might be as vigilant as ever you know but once the president is within three feet of them they can't help themselves but to look at the president and if you look at the uh, footage of the Hinckley shooting you can see three New York City police officers actually looking or, I'm sorry, Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. um, looking right at President Reagan. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, they acted once. Shots were fired. Yeah, but and, that, but he was so before. close. He was so close, there was not really anything anybody could have done to prevent I that. mean, really, the thing that he benefited from, there was just so many people yeah. in that small area. He was bound to shoot somebody. But he, there was a number of people shot because there was a lot. I mean, the whole presidential entourage was yeah. moving toward the the limousines. Yeah, you had. I mean, you had the press secretary Brady. He got. He was the worst, most severely wounded. Yeah. He was shot in the head. And um, really, he ended up dying of his wounds, even though it was thirty years later. And they ruled that a homicide. Yeah, because um, it was. Yeah, they didn't. They I mean, didn't, what he died within the past year, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty some years later, but it was as a result of that shooting. And he, uh, he's the one, obviously, he was a big proponent after that of gun control and the Brady Bill, which has since lapsed. But um, Yeah, he was disabled the rest of his life yeah. in a wheelchair, and his wife labeled, you know, she, she worked her hard on the Brady Bill, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. as you said, it, it went in effect, and then it lapsed 
uh, not too long ago. Lapsed when uh, I believe George Bush Jr. was in office. Um, so it had been in effect for quite a while, but yeah. then it lapsed. Um, a police officer was hit in the back. Secret Service agent, that's McCarthy, he was shot in the abdomen. Um, he wrote a book about his story, and this is a funny story, I'll tell you real quick. He wrote a book I about his it. adventures in the Secret Service. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, Henry Kissinger was just a prick. Nobody mm-hmm. liked Henry Kissinger. Nobody liked him at all. So they're over in the Middle East, and uh, this McCarthy is attached to Henry Kissinger. Mm-hmm. And at the time, this before they could whip out those little Uzis and everything mm-hmm. else, they carried three fifty-seven Magnums that held six shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a big protest, and uh, they're talking to Kissinger. He's in the back seat with Kissinger, and Kissinger says, if this crowd turns and they decide to grab me, what are you going to be able to do with just six shots? Mm-hmm. And he said, Mr. Secretary, I only need one shot to make sure the crowd don't grab you. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning that they would, he would shoot uh, Secretary. He would shoot Secretary yeah. Kissinger. And Kissinger made reference to that in a, in, later on uh-huh. that, uh, that these guys did not joke around. Yeah. On it. yeah. But um, so anyway, you know, you... Everybody's seen the footage. They jumped on him. Um, you know, they. It was. He 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 explained. Now Hinckley himself, he explained the shooting as an unprecedented demonstration of love. Well, Something, it is unprecedented. It was unprecedented, and that he and Foster were like Romeo and Juliet. Probably the only day that Jimmy, Car- Jimmy Carter glad he lost the election. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, and see, that's why I never liked Reagan because he he beat a good Southern man. I know, I know your 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 Southern roots and that cause you great distress. Yeah, and being from Cincinnati, we're all Southerners here because it's a a gateway to the South. Yeah, Um, where Southern hospitality begins. It is now. They uh, obviously put Hinckley in a a psychiatric facility. Um, He was committed to Saint Elizabeth after his trial ended. Um, early on, he showed some very peculiar interest. He was pen pals with Ted Bundy. Oh, really? Uh, before, yeah, before Bundy's execution. Jesus Christ. But by the 1990s... When did I get in on that correspondence? A little bit. <laughs> oh, well, I think it would yeah. be crazy interesting. I'd like to see Bindi, Bundy send a letter like, dude, what the hell wrong with you? Think? What you think of trying to shoot a president? People know Amateur. this that shit. Yeah. That ain't something people don't notice. But... Um, but anyway, he's... Uh, I wonder if they put little hearts at the end of their sentences and things. Oh, for sure. I, I bet they put little smiley Emoticon. faces with just crosses for eyes. Yeah. T-T-Y-L. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> T-T-Y-L. Or K-Y-L, kill you later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but Hinckley has been... Uh, he started to be able to have visits outside. He was actually allowed to leave the psychiatric facility. Yeah. I mean, Can you, you screw really, that um, up, though? Well, he did because he uh, he was out and um, he went into an Apple store and stole an iPad. Dumbass. And uh, yeah, you know, if you're in, if you're I made arrested that part for, up. I don't know. Oh, if I was gonna say, if you're arrested, for, if you're arrested for assassinate attempt attempted assassination and you get out, you need to kind of watch your piece. Lay low. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what he did. Did he do anything when he was out? Um. I believe he was caught buying a buying a Met from a hot dog vendor. Yeah. So we don't uh, know that he did anything inappropriate. It's just speculation at this point. 
Yeah, well, he was, uh, he had a couple conjugal visits with, um, with who? With his, with his girlfriend. Um, and the Reagans were just... <laughs> How is John Hinckley getting late and I'm not? That's what I mm-hmm. want to know. How well, is that possible? He the guy's it. in prison. He did it in an alley. Oh, so you're making this, and up. it wasn't really his yeah. girlfriend. It was somebody he gave twenty dollars. Uh, I see. You're but making But she was. This up. She gave Players him. Gotta the, play. She gave him the whole girlfriend experience. I gotcha. You're making it up. Okay. Um, Hinkley is still in a psychiatric institution. Um, not likely to be shooting anybody soon. They did find a book about Jodie Foster. Oh, that's what screwed everything up. Is they well, found a book he, about Jodie Foster? Well, he must have been disappointed when she came out of the closet. Well, no, right. I think he got a little. You know, for me, Jodie Foster became a little more appealing when I found out she was a lesbian <laughs> because, as you know, the colonel yeah. has special powers. He can he can turn the women back. Right. You you're know? not you're not afraid of a little competition. Oh no, you give me a you give me a twelve pack in two hours, I get a, I get the most Birkenstock wearing. Actually, Hinckley is uh, the court ordered that he's allowed extended visits to his mother who lives near uh, the facility that he's at. Uh, Didn't he find God, though? And he's found yeah, he's, God. He, he, yeah, he's religious. I think you're right. And he uh, doesn't, but he doesn't let himself, like, he doesn't want out. Yeah, I don't know. But he was, he has been permitted to go up to, um, he's been on eight 17-day visits, uh, and he gets evaluated after each one. So I guess slowly getting integrated back into society, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, they, even though they ruled that a homicide on James Brady, they didn't. Um, they didn't increase the charge against uh, Hinckley. They didn't pursue murder charges. Well, they uh, no, they didn't pursue murder charges, and he, he was crazy. But you know, he's still bouncing yeah. around out there. People okay, want to shoot the president are always crazy. Yeah. So who's our next whack job? Our next whack job. Um, strangely, and, and here's a crazy-ass coincidence, um, our next whack job is um, Chapman. David, David Chapman. Chapman. Okay, the guy who shot uh, John Lennon. John right? Lennon. And um, John Hinckley, okay, now remember, I just did Hinckley, mm-hmm. okay? Hinckley Sr. was the president of a place called World Vision. Mm-hmm. Mark David Chapman worked for World Vision. Oh, so yeah, so the the oh, so now the Chapman, uh, the uh, hint, uh, John Lennon assassination was before the Reagan. Uh, yeah, it was, was right before. before. It yeah, was nineteen eighty. Reagan was eighty one. Right. Um, came two days after or the day after the Colonel's birthday. Um, December seventh. Date that we live in infamy. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and again, mm-hmm. let me see this one. He was uh, he was a his mother his father was a staff sergeant, um, his mother was just was a nurse. Um, so reasonable people. Well, the father was unloving and physically abusive towards his mother and unloving towards him. Um, Chapman began to fantasize about having some king-like power over a group of imaginary little people who lived in the walls of his bedroom. I used now, to do that. Kind of like the well, colonel and his personal assistant. Well, right. kind of like the devil over here and her minions, except <laughs> she got real minions. She got um, real power. Now, he, With minions comes a lot of responsibility. I'm like Spider-Man. So Chapman go to high school. Here we go again. By the time he was Did 14... He get 
He was using drugs and skipping classes and ran away from home because he was getting bullied. You know why he was getting bullied? Why? He was no good in sports. Did he get buggered? He may have been gone later. But kids, here's the message you take away. If you're not good at baseball, if you're not going to go to baseball practice and take the batting practice, go to the batting cages or something, you're going to end up shooting a celebrity or a president. I don't or something. know if that's true now. I think that was in our day. That was true. I think now you have to you have to play on. Uh, well, we like the nerds now. Call of Duty or be have your own YouTube Duty. channel or but yeah, do watch something the to Netflix. be cool. Because if you're not cool, the other kids are going to pick on you, and you really got it coming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean. It, you know, you could, every kid could be halfway decent in a sport. There's no reason for kids to say, I'm just not good in sports. That's what Beer I Beer pong, if nothing else. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting part. In, in uh, 1971, Chapman becomes... 50 a, minutes into the podcast. We get to an interesting part. He's 16 years old, 17 years old, and he becomes a born-again Presbyterian. What does that mean, a born-again I don't even know, because I'm, the colonel, you know me, I'm a Methodist. Yeah. All right? Yeah, which means it's not like you're a real Christian. Well, in a Presbyterian, sometimes I show up in the Presbyterian church by accident, I can't even tell the difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the only difference is the donuts they serve after to come from two different places. Because they come so, from the AA meeting beforehand. So I don't know how you can become a born-again Presbyterian, because they ain't the most hardcore Well, I think you're a born-again Christian as a Presbyterian faith. Well, he started he started distributing these biblical tracts, and he met a girlfriend, Jessica Blankenship, by the way. And uh, was she hot? Um, no, no, oh. no, 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 no. He was a he was a geek. Uh, he starts to work at the C- YMCA as a summer camp counselor. Was he a cowboy? Apparently, he did not. Um, cowboy. There's no reports guy. of him doing any kind of buggering. He was very popular with the children. They nicknamed him Nemo for some reason. He even won an award for the outstanding counselor. Did he have a gimpy arm? No, because every time they turned around, they were looking for him. He was gone. Well, that could be. But then his life changed. Okay. His life changed because a friend tells him to read The Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, man. Never read The Catcher in the Rye. And and I'm going to tell you something. Uh, what's what's a boy's I name? Holden Caulfield. Yeah, I don't get it. I told Taylor this. Taylor read it when he was uh, 15, 16 years old. Thought it was just a fantastic book. Well, that's the time you read it. I read it when I was a little bit later in life, and I told Taylor, the boy's just a little wussy-ass. Yeah, but... It it, needs to grow up and quit complaining. It it speaks to, you know, teenage rebellion. But, you know, now Taylor's 21 years old, and he thinks the same thing I do. That coffee, he just needs to grow grow out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyway... It changed his life. Um, <clears throat> Not in a good way. He wanted to model his life after Holden Caulfield. So he graduates from high school. Um, he moves to Chicago for a little bit, plays guitar in churches and Christian night spots that, while, while his friends did impersonations. Now think about this, and, and, and this, is a, this is a problem I have with the whole Christian music scene. Okay. You got to be, see, a basis of Christianity is being kind to people. So you get these Christian musicians up there, no matter how much they suck, and they, for the most part, do. Mm-hmm. You got to applaud them. It's like, you can't play, put the damn guitar down. I can play the guitar better than you can. Well, you just don't like that type of music, but there's people who do. They ain't no good. You know what Christian music is? What? It's a place for people that ain't worth a damn to hide. That's what I always say. 
You say that always. All the time. You want to, we're a Christian band. Oh, Have you heard him say that before? Never. When people say I'm a Christian band, you know what I say to them? Oh, you don't know how to play your damn instrument. All right, go ahead. Go me. ahead, Colonel. And, and then what kind of Christian impersonate? Oh, I'm Jesus. Here, let me show you how to turn these. I mean, what what kind of? Oh, oh, that was the excellent Paul you did that. They did biblical impersonations. Uh, okay. You do but, but I'm just saying that, they, they, you know, it's an affirmative expression, just like preaching and prayer or whatever. Well, when I read this, I thought it was the least entertaining thing I could ever think of. But, uh, all right. Um, we'll get on to uh, David Chapman. Well, anyway, he, he decides to go to uh, college, the Covenant College. It's an evangelical Presbyterian college in Lookout Mountain, Georgia. The Chapman fell behind in his studies, and he became obsessed with guilt over having an affair. Did he have an affair with? I thought he was... Was he married? No, just his girlfriend. Oh, he cheated on his girlfriend? Yeah, and he starts having suicidal thoughts and begins to feel like a failure, which really, I mean, you look at the kid's life, he was already... He wasn't no good... It was a fair assessment at that point. He wasn't no good in sports. Okay. I mean, that's how you measure a kid for the most part. Um... So he's, he's feeling like a failure, so he drops out of college, quits shaving. His, uh, Jessica broke it off with him. Um, and he returned to work <clears throat> at a resettlement camp, but left after an argument there. So then he got a job as a security guard. But eventually he took a, well, he took a two-week-long course to qualify as an armed guard. And he uh, decided to go to college again but dropped but dropped out. He went to Hawaii and then began contemplating suicide. In 1977, he actually attempted suicide by carbon monoxide asphyxiation. He can, and, and really, you got to be a fool to screw this one up. It wasn't a autoerotic asphyxiation, was it? Well, it was auto-involved because he connected a hose to the car's exhaust pipe. Mm-hmm. But the dumb shit used a hose that melted, and the attempt failed. Well... Again, he, you know, he's a, he's a. Well, okay, listen. There's listen. a reason why you kill yourself. There is a reason why you kill yourself, but you don't want to be. See, you kill yourself thinking, oh, I'm like him. I'm a failure. I can't do nothing right. I'm gonna kill myself. Oh, look, I fucked that up too. Yeah, just Here, it's, now. It's a here's what cycle. you do. Listen, is what you got to do. You got to get some tubing that will withstand. No, heat. no, no. We're not encouraging people to commit suicide. I'm not encouraging, but I don't want our listeners to be failures either. <laughs> yeah. Go on. You go use on, that Kurt. flexible dryer duct stuff. You Kurt. know, for your du- dry vent. Uh huh. Just like that the, stuff, just like on your dryer. Yeah, you put a good clamp over the tailpipe. But I, I'll tell you, these cars they're making now, they put out so little, so little carbon monoxide. Not That's it. all that damn green technology. It Can't is. kill yourself. I mean, a friend of mine tried to kill himself with an electric guitar. He was sitting in an electric, electric car, guitar. A Prius. Yeah, a Prius. And the poor bastard, he sat in his garage Starved for 12 hours. <laughs> 12 hours he was in the garage. Now, all right. Not even a cough the car got out of him. But anyway. Poor guy. He, uh, a psychiatrist says, okay, time for you to go in the hospital. He goes in there. His parents start blaming each other. They get divorced, and his mother comes out to Hawaii to join Chapman. Now, Chapman then... Now, this this boy was a little easily influenced. He go, he decides to uh, read another book, Around the World in 80 Days, and he took a six-week trip around the world. There you go. Nice. Yeah, he went to Toll, Sokia... Tokyo, Seoul. Yeah. Well, basically, he, he went on a Timmy Hooker's hooker tour. He went to Seoul, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Singapore, Bangkok, 
<laughs> Delhi. Now tell me you ain't been to those places, Timmy. I haven't been to Delhi. Oh, there you go. <clears throat> London, Paris, and Dublin. He began a relationship with a travel agent. You're like this, a Japanese-American woman was named Gloria hot? Abe. Was she hot? If she was Japanese-American, you sure know she, she was. was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They got married. Chapman went to work at, at the Memorial Hospital as a printer. He liked to work by himself and not mess with, but he was fired um, and then rehired after getting into a shouting match with a nurse. And then he just said, screw it, I quit. So he got a job as a night security guard and began drinking heavily. Now, you know your life's going down. It's not. It's peaked when you're a night security guard and you're drinking heavily. Yes. Now, if you're a night security guard and you're making your rounds and you're diligent, you're doing okay. But when you're drinking heavily... So he's it's going downhill fast yeah. for Mr. Chapman. Now he's reading The Catcher in the Rye all the time. He should and, be beyond uh, that stage at that point. He becomes obsessed with artwork. The it's like reading the uh, what's the what's the um, the teenage movie? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. No, what's the uh, the teenage movies with the vampires? Oh, Twilight. Twilight. Yeah, Twilight, it's like yeah. the Twilight series at that point. He's yeah, a grown man. So he he's reading The Catcher in the Rye all the time. He becomes obsessed with music and John Lennon. So he starts to talk to the imaginary little people again and. September 1980, he writes a. I have imaginary little people, only they have like really big breasts. I have, you know what I have? I told you it's like having a marriage. And the the Colonel got to tell you this Hanes make a new line of boxer briefs. Uh And I'm telling you, the cotton's so soft, it's like having a thousand little imaginary people. Just We've been over your massaging underwear. Massaging your thighs. And okay, your Carl, let's, let's, and, let's go back on to Mr. Chapman. Okay, but Haynes, they can sponsor us next week. I gave yes. you a freebie there. So anyway, it doesn't say Haynes with, until I say it says Haynes. Remember that? Remember that? Oh, no, commercial? I don't. No. Damn, commercial. Back Sounds back just kind of like you being an asshole. No, no, no. It was a lady who. It was a lady who inspected. You ever seen those inspected by number oh, seventeen? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But they used to leave those stickers in there. That was no fun. Yeah. But anyway, um, you could get murdered. <laughs> you could. So anyway, he writes a letter to his friend Lydia Irish, in which he says, "I'm going nuts," and he signs it, "The Catcher in the Rye." Now, up to this point, Chapman has no no criminal convictions whatsoever. So he decides to start. He starts. He's going to kill Lennon. That's yeah. when he decides. Three Why months John prior Lennon? to the well, John, he was a big Beatles fan. <clears throat> he idolized Lennon, and this is the angle that most people don't get. What really drove this whole thing is Chapman was a religious nut. Mm-hmm. And he idolized him. Um, He's out of control, uh, Presbyterian. <clears throat> yeah, and he read a book, a couple books about Lenin, and he became extremely angered um, about Lenin's comments that the Beatles were more popular than Jesus. That seemed to anger a lot of people. Well, at but the, time. The, the thing is, this isn't at the time, though, right? This is no, fourteen this years is, later. Is, yeah, fourteen years later. Which it, you know, the Presbyterians they like to they like they to hold think a grudge through, and they hold a grudge. So John and, Lennon, while traveling with the Beatles in their heyday, nineteen sixty eight, made a comment that the Beatles were more popular in the world than Jesus. Yeah. A lot of people were offended about that, especially people they, in. They were definitely bigger in Japan. Yeah. Well, but, any, but anyway, he didn't find really it. I mean, he was, he didn't get upset on this until nineteen eighty two. So right. mean, he had kind of a delayed reaction. Yeah, yeah. and then... Um, slow burn. Go behind on his reading. 
you know, because in the South, there were demonstrations and album burnings and boycotts and projectiles were thrown. I mean, you know, in the South, they can get fired up about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, you do not mess with Jesus down in the South. Um, they, they, they turn on you in a minute. So some members of Chapman's prayer ju- group wow. made a joke, and it went, imagine, imagine if John Lennon was dead. Now, that don't seem very Christian, does it? It don't seem very funny. Yeah, not even funny. It don't even rhyme. Um, Chapman's childhood friend, Miles McManishew, recalls his referring to the song as communist. And Jan Reeves, the sister of one of Chapman's really close friends, said that Chapman seemed really, really pissed at John Lennon. Kept saying he couldn't understand why John would, would make that remark. And... Uh, and he said that there should be nobody more popular than the Lord Jesus Christ. He said it was blasphemy. Blasphemy. title to his opinion. And then he read another book, um, One Day at a Time, about John Lennon. How many books is he going to read? Because we're like two hours in this podcast. And he got really mad, so our, <laughs> he couldn't believe that he would re- preach love and peace but have millions of dollars. Chapman said... He told us to imagine no possessions, but that some bitch had millions of dollars. Oh, so he did Yachts, like- farms, country estates, hookers running like hot and cold water, cocaine mounds. I tell you what, I was never much of a Beatles fan, but I do like Imagine. I do like that song, Imagine. Well, and I believe that a good part of uh, John Lennon getting shot. Now, you got to remember, he had just released that album, Double, Double Fantasy. Yeah. Yoko was on it. Yeah. Somebody needed to get shot for that. I mean that. No, you know who needed to get shot. I mean, it's not need to get shot, but you know, where something needed to take place is when his son released an album. Boy, no, nah, he wasn't bad. I do like that. Uh, I do like uh, the wheels when the wheels go turn around and around. I like that song. But Chapman had, a, Chapman had a long list of people he wanted to kill. Johnny Carson, Marlon Brando, Walter Cronkite, Elizabeth Taylor, George Walter C. Scott. Cronkite? And Jackie O. Now George this song bitch wanted to kill Jackie Walter yeah. Cronkite, the most trusted man in news. Well, yeah, he was he was a little muddled, his friend and said. Straight. Then he saw the film Ordinary People. He's um, got to uh, did Mary Tyler Moore get on the list? No, he left her off, but he told his wife he'd been obsessed with killing Lennon, showed her the guns, and... Uh, he, she didn't inform the police, but she made him an appointment to see a psychologist. Wow, that's and, a good uh, move anyway. At least she did something. So yeah. he decided to cons- ju- just kill himself by jumping off the Statue of Liberty. Um, but he said wow. the, the that's a, that's ballsy. message, thou shalt not kill, flashed on the TV before him, so he didn't kill himself. And it was up also on a wall in his apartment. So, on December 7th, the day before the killing... Chapman, and this is another little known fact, accosted singer-songwriter James Taylor. No, not yeah. James Taylor. I love JT. And according to Taylor, he said the guy had sort of pinned Sweet me baby to James. the wall Rock-a-bye. Sweet and was glistening James. with maniacal sweat and talking some Man- freak maniacal? speak. Yeah. yeah. What is maniacal, maniacal sweat? I'm there sorry. Go. Maniacal? I, I'm sorry. I like to me now. What did you, what welcome, did you say it was? I welcome liked to it. the English language. <laughs> I kind of liked it the way you said it the first time. Well, anyway, he said he was, He told him he was going to do some stuff to John Lennon, and then uh, he and left and offered some cocaine to a... Uh, James Taylor, you know, they were, it was stiff competition back then. 
Oh, yeah. So he was the like, adult market. JT was probably like, I'm not going to tell anybody. Yeah, no, no, no. Just take I his don't think JT would do that. So anyway, Chapman leaves his room at the Sheraton. Um, he goes and buys a copy of Catcher in the Rye in which he wrote this is my statement, signing it, holding coffee. Well, you know, I am happy he was staying at the Sheraton because, you know, nothing perplexes me more is when these guys do these assassinations or these murders and they stay in the Motel 6 or someplace real dumpy. I would have thought he'd stay at a Holiday Inn Express. Well, you know, you know you're going to go out. You know after this, you know, it's all over and you're going to be spending the rest of your life in a 30 you might as by well 8 cell. Ball it up. Yeah. yeah. You know, call room service. Call up a hook or something. Are you finished? I'm sorry, Colonel. Please continue. Let me just jump to the Holiday Inn Express. I think what everybody else knows is he waited for Lennon to come into the entrance of his Dakota. He shot him four times in the back. He asked for an autograph, didn't he? No, he asked for an autograph. No, he said Mr. Lennon. Oh. And then he got Lennon turned around. And he had given his autograph earlier or something. I've been to um, the Dakota where he he was shot. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not a fan of that building. Well, no, I mean, it was kind of creepy, but I'm just saying. A bunch of psychologists said Chapman was crazy, but Chapman didn't want to admit he was crazy. So he got sent to prison. Um, Then that's where the buggering began. No buggering. No, there was a lot of buggering in prison. Oh, yeah. He wrote a book about it. He did Um, not write a book about it. He did. Yeah. He did. The buggering of David Chapman. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's what happened. Lifetimes and buggering of David Chapman. He, he came in, walked in, and they were saying, Oh, you're a pretty new fish. Come over here. You're going to stay with me. You got a and pretty then, mouth. And you got he, a pair of those Hanes breeze Hanes slash. Breeze. And then they told him, uh, Slash. Well, what happened to David Chapman is he. Uh, Boxers on. They wouldn't let him take his book of um, catching a rye into, into the prison. Correct. Real pricks. Yeah, so he then he wanted to go to the commissary mm-hmm. to get one, mm-hmm. but he didn't have no commissary money. Then he fell in with a loan shark. Then he now he owes the guy money. Then the loan shark sold him to the Crips for like a carton of Marlboros. I think you're making that up. And uh, Chapman's still running around prison, doing the doing laundry for the prison gangs. I think you're lying. I but believe he still, it might be the Aryans he, that own him he now. Is still, uh, he is still... Uh, Imprisoned, is that correct? Still in prison. John Lennon's still dead. Yeah. Now, I remember they announced that on Monday Night Football. Marcus Howard Cosell. Yeah, I remember that. Was visibly shaken. Yeah, it was a tragic event. Brandy, any thoughts on stalkers? Have you ever had a stalker? I can neither conform, confirm nor deny that. Have you ever been a stalker? I plead the fifth. <laughs> Colonel. It's I an know, art. I know I you've tell had you stalkers. Have you ever been a stalker? I have I have had the opportunity to stalk um, my uh, one of the one of the great men in the world, um, but I decided to pass that up and because. Uh, and you're talking of Bruce Springsteen. Oh yeah, you're obsessed with Bruce. Um, Bruce Springsteen was uh, Bruce Springsteen was. Playing here in Cincinnati last time, mm-hmm. I knew exactly where he was staying. I knew exactly where he was going to be at nine o'clock that morning. That's a little creepy, Colonel. Well, I only knew this because I had some inside information. Yeah. Um, Bruce Springsteen likes to work out. He had reserved a spot, and where he had reserved it, a friend of mine worked and let me know about it. And uh, you just I just happened to show up all buff, and I live by the. I, I followed got, the advice of of. Uh, 
I believe it was Ernest Hemingway who said, never meet your heroes. Never meet your heroes. And and I did not follow up on that. Uh, you showed great restraint. I went to his concert, his show that night, and it was a wonderful show, as every Bruce Springsteen concert is. Listeners, if you haven't been to a Bruce Springsteen concert, you, it's one thing you need to do before you... You need to put it on your bucket Circle list. the drain. Before you circle the drain, you need to see Bruce. Cause well, when I was a, a youngster, I had a crush on Karen Valentine. Yeah, of course, you know Karen Valentine. Room 222. Room 222, very sweet young lady. And I sent her a letter. I think I was about 8 or 10. And she wrote back with a little uh, card of her picture. had her picture on it and signed hugs and kisses Karen. So, Aww. Well, uh, that's as far as my obsession with her went. Sounds to me like she was obsessed with you. Back well, when Elizabeth, I bet I could do her now. When Bob Dole well, she's was about eighty now, running for president, um, I sent a couple letters to her, his wife, Elizabeth Dole, mm-hmm. um, and I got a letter back. One of them was a restraining order. <laughs> um, Why did, uh, what did you have to say to Elizabeth? Well, you know, he mm-hmm. suffers from ED. Well, Bob, yeah, Bob. Oh, to, about being the face of a uh, of uh, premature. Well, premature I told her that you know, hey, I know the man can't got a problem. If you want, you know, real man. Yeah, I see. The colonel available because you a nice southern lady. You were just going to be sort of a uh, substitute for a surrogate. A surrogate. Uh, I was offering my services for free to play for free to pleasure her. Well, to not so much. I mean, the campaign trail, you know, I was on it for a while. It's stressful. And right. the woman needed to relieve some stress. And you were willing to uh, and he step was, up. He was a cranky old man. You know, Bob was a cranky old man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he didn't do well when he put on those uh, blue blazers, powder blue blazers. No, he that didn't. That was not a good look. No, it wasn't a good look. For him. Uh, okay, final thoughts, Brandy. Stalkers are creepy and weird. Okay, final thoughts, Colonel. If you want to stalk me, you can find me on Facebook. There you go. Um, Where I'll else can they address. find us? They can find us on uh, on the iTunes. Um, they can go there, click on one of our episodes, rate us, review us. Please. Um, I'm just getting another batch of um, the Colonel coffee mugs in, so if you, you give us a review, we will send you those out. That's a lie. Um, why don't we have? Why don't the Colonel have a goddamn personal assistant? Why ain't we got no merchandise for this show? <laughs> Say goodbye, Colonel. This is, I mean, this is this is like Bush League. It's minor league. If you want to keep the Colonel here, I'm telling you, things are going to change around here. They can find us on the Netflix. They can find us on the Netflix, on the YouTube. You can find us on Hulu. The Stitcher. Um, Stitcher. Facebook. Facebook. Um, and if you're in Toledo, Ohio, you can find us on Cable Access Channel 81. <laughs> That's what? not true. <laughs> Okay, everyone, we'll see you next time on History Dweeb. Have a good day. Bye, everyone. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait. Is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. 
ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.